0: Welcome to the next episode of Deep Dive. My name is Rudy Rosica. I'm a senior here at Syracuse University. I'm studying uh, pre-fiscal therapy. It's a Navy veteran. And today I have two previous Marines with me We're on a third year of law school, Max and Adrian. And they're going to talk about their time in the military and what brought them here and any advice they could give to newcoming uh, student veterans. So, uh, Max, you have to introduce yourself.
1: Yeah, hey, um, my name is Max Barron. Like Rudy said, I'm a Marine Corps veteran and I'm my
2: last year of law school right now. Uh, my name is Adrian. Um, just like Max, I was also in the Marine Corps and
0: I'm also in my third year of law school. So Max, what did you do in the Marines? And how long did you do
1: Yeah, Yeah, um, I was a rifleman in the Marine Corps, so 0311. I did it for four years.
0: Where were you stationed?
1: Um, I was in 29 Palms. Yeah. California? I did like my like basic training and stuff at Pendleton for like six months or something like
0: that, but yeah. Did you ever deploy?
1: Yeah, um I went to Iraq, uh, it was like Altakedum, I think was called. The first my first deployment was about six months. And then my second deployment was to uh like the first half was like Kuwait, second half was like uh US Embassy Baghdad.
2: we oh, right on. Oh Adrian? Uh yeah, I was also in the Marine Corps for four years. I was also an 0311 rifleman. I did a my first deployment was a. Uh, UDP, or unit deployment program, we went to uh, Okinawa, Japan, and uh, South Korea for six months. In uh, Japan, we kind of just did some sustainment training, in Korea we, uh, we did some bilateral training with the Korean uh, Marine Corps. Um, and then I went on a seven-month MU, um, which is a Marine Expeditionary Unit, we deployed on a Navy ship, uh, the USS Kearsarge. And uh, we went to several countries in the Middle East, notably Oman. And we spent a few weeks in Bahrain and uh, stuff in the UAE, uh, Dubai, stuff like that, um, and then Spain on the way back. Pretty cool. So Max,
0: when did you separate?
1: Um, honestly, I you know I've always kind of wanted to. I thought being a lawyer was something I've always kind of wanted to do, um, and the Marine Corps was just for me. It was just um, you know I mean me and Adrian both O three elevens like he can kind of attest to this too. But it gets kind of it gets kind of to be a lot, I think, like doing the same stuff over and over again, um, and it's a great job, but um, you know, I was just kind of ready for something new, and um, yeah, so I never really saw the military as like a long term thing for me, so I kind of wanted to branch out and try something new and challenge myself and go to law school. I was thinking,
0: so it's oh, great. Yeah, Adrian.
2: Uh, yeah, kind of the same idea where uh, yeah. My unit that I was in, I was in Second Battalion, Sixth Marines. I was in Camp Lejeune in North Carolina. Uh, they were about to go on the same deployment again, the the same Mew, where they were going to go to the more or less the same countries, and the, you know, and uh, I wasn't really interested in sticking around for another four years just to do what I had just done. You know, being a rifleman can get pretty repetitive. You do the same training, very similar deployment workups, and then if I was going to do the same deployment didn't feel a lot of, uh, there's not a lot of purpose in it for me. So I uh, I got out with the intention of going to college and then getting back in the military, possibly as an officer or, or going some other route, maybe special forces. But I really did intend on rejoining the military at some point. Of course, the path kind of changed there where I got towards the end of college and um, I picked up a second major of legal studies, because it overlapped pretty substantially with my original major, which was criminal justice. So I enjoyed the legal aspect of my classes, and that's when I decided to apply to law school in my senior year.
1: Yeah, and like, Adrian went to the Marine Corps right after high school, whereas I, and he enlisted, and I also enlisted, but I enlisted out of college. And so- Hold on, you enlisted out of college? Yeah. You graduated college? Yeah, it was, like, it's a whole thing, man. Like, I, I don't know what I was thinking, but it was such a... At the end of the day, I look back and, like, it was... I feel like it was worth it. Like, the experiences I had made it worth it. But I could have avoided a lot of bullshit if I went the officer route. But I think maybe, like, that helped me to kind of realize, like, all right, I think I want to get out of here. Like, I've got my degree. I'm ready to, like, you know, move on with something else. But...
2: Yeah, with what uh, Max just touched on uh, for background, I so I joined the Marine Corps in two thousand twelve and I got out in two thousand sixteen. Then I went to college and law school. Whereas Max uh, went to college, I think from two thousand twelve
1: to two thousand sixteen. I'm a little, you know, I'm a little older. -hmm.
2: Yeah, he's (laughs) a. So,
1: no, I, uh, yeah, so, like, I graduated in 2015.
2: Yeah, so we, there was really no over, I think we've talked about it, and um, I think my last month in the Marine Corps is when you started boot camp, so mm-hmm. yeah. there's pretty much no overlap in our actual service, and then, yeah. you know, while I was in college is when he was in the Marine Corps, and then mm-hmm. we both ended up at law school uh, yeah. here in Syracuse at the same time.
1: Yeah, we have very similar paths, just like the timing is off, but we had the exact same job in the Marine Corps, so.
0: It's really cool, that you guys. I don't want to say found each other, but like... No, I know. Paths. Yeah, and we're both going to California. We're both going to California for uh, post school. Well, I definitely post want to touch on that. Well, like before yeah. that, where'd you go to your undergrad? Uh, I,
1: I went to undergrad in, in California, um, East Los Angeles, a place called Whittier College. Yeah, It's a really small school. All
0: right. And what was your major?
1: Um, I was a double major with uh, political science and economics. Oh,
2: cool. And yeah. well, where'd you go to undergrad, uh, uh So I went to... Uh, Florida Gulf Coast University, that's down it's in- It's a real university? I'm sorry? That's a real university? <laughs> yeah. Real. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> real, real school, totally accredited. Um, but uh, yeah, that's down in Fort Myers, Florida. I went there, uh, actually, when I was in boot camp, uh, I got a letter from my parents saying they sold the house that like we I was in in high school and that they were moving to Florida. So when I got like, out of boot camp, they were like moving down to Florida. And then when I was getting out of the Marine Corps, my parents suggested that school because it was like relatively close to them. And I was like, okay. And didn't look into it. I just went there.
0: Um, but it was a good school. Very, It's a very young school. Also relatively small, but a lot of fun. So what made you, like, I want to be a lawyer? I heard Max said he always wanted to be a lawyer were you. Yeah, well, like I kind of touched on um, when my senior year of college,
2: I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I was going to, you know, I kind of had been drifting away from the idea of rejoining the military. So I was like, I'll go be a cop somewhere. You know, I got a criminal justice degree. I can go do that. Or, you know, maybe law enforcement at the federal level. But then uh, some of my classes I had, you know, they were basically, we didn't have a pre law curriculum, but it was basically a pre law class. And I, I, Caught my interest very quickly. So then, like November, November of my senior year of college, um, I took the LSAT, and then, you know, I got a good enough score to start applying. Started applying, and then, and here we are. It wasn't, it wasn't a lifelong dream for me, but it's been working out pretty well. Right
0: on. So I'm sorry. Next question. What advice would you give someone that just about to separate from the military or just separate from the military, and they want to be a lawyer, they know for sure they want to be a lawyer? Well.
2: I think there's two different like so if you're going at it from my perspective would be different than somebody like Max who went to college before, based on the GI Bill. So I went to college and I used the GI Bill entirely on my undergraduate degree because it gives you thirty six months, which is four academic years of you know, tuition. The school I went to in Florida was much cheaper than going to law school here. In hindsight, had I if, if I knew I was gonna go to law school, I would have strategized the way I use the GI Bill to get the most money out of it and make it last the longest. Um, so I would really focus on that. There are programs I know Syracuse. I'm not trying to sell Syracuse College of Law, but they participate in programs with certain universities where you can do your undergraduate degree in three years and then go straight into law school for three years. So that'd be you know less time that you're paying out of pocket or out of student loans or other scholarships. So look into programs like like that that do three. They call them like three and three or something like that, and that'll optimize the GI Bill benefits. Otherwise, you know if you're not going to do that, kind of figure out where you might want to go to law school. What's going to be cheaper because. If I could go back, I would have not used the GI
0: Bill on all of my undergrad. I would use it all on law school, and then maybe the last year or one year of undergrad. You know, I think you had a uh, great point to strategically use your GI Bill. A lot of us, including myself, I went to community college first, and I used my GI Bill. Ridiculous move. <laughs> Absolutely insane. Because I could essentially put out of the cash, and now I'm um, I'm gonna use all my GI Bill from undergrad, and now for my grad school, I'm gonna be like have to take out loans, or look for scholarships, stuff like that. Yeah, that's what I'm doing yeah. now.
2: I'm you know I got my first semester the GI Bill helped out a little bit. I had a little bit of GI Bill left then, but uh, since then, you know, I had a scholarship going into law school, so that's paying some of it, and the rest of it, I have
0: you know pretty substantial student loans now that I could have avoided. So you think it's the of of uh, people stepping to reach out to someone who already did that and like ask them like, what's the best way to use a gi bill, assuming there's no nobody in their family that knows.
2: Absolutely. Uh there's you know there's like resources like it's you know, we have the NVR the National Veterans Resource Center here. There's people that their job is to help you, but there's nobody better positioned to help you than somebody who's just finished doing it. So yeah. and I think almost every veteran, if they got, you know, somebody reached out to them saying, Hey I'm getting out of the military, how should I use a
0: GI Bill they'll be ha- they'll be happy to help. Yeah, I think so too. Even if you don't know them I feel like a exactly, team. Yeah. people we want to pass on that knowledge eventually as part of this podcast you want to pass on the knowledge yeah
1: i'll touch on that too like everything adrian said is is 100 spot on like if you're in the military right now and you already have your bachelor's degree like i can kind of speak to that because i was you know that was my situation so a lot of this would apply to probably a lot of officers you know who are trying to get out and maybe like go to you know graduate school go to law school um you know when i was in like right before i got out i spent like Gosh, like six or seven months studying for the LSAT while I'm still in. So before you go to law school, you have to apply. um, You have to take the LSAT, which is like the stupid test you got to take. It's so dumb, but you got to take it. And it takes a lot of studying because it's somewhat difficult of a test. But, you know, I was able to study for that while I was on my deployment in Baghdad. You know, I spent like every single day just like doing, finding free resources online and studying for it. I by no means got a good grade at it, but what I was able to do is when I got back in the fall for my deployment, I was able to take the LSAT and then apply to law schools. And so when I got out in March of that next year, I was already accepted into law school. So I, because like in the military, you have so much free time. I mean, You know, you have all this free time to be able to, you know, you can either sit on your butt and, you know, watch TV or you can be productive. And I would say if you're leaving the military with a bachelor's degree already, like take advantage of all that free time and study for the LSAT, take the LSAT while you're still in the military and apply to schools, if that's possible. But I would say that that was a huge advantage for me because I didn't have to leave the military, you know, wait and sit around you know, I was already like accepted. And I was like, that transition kind of came smoothly, you know, I just had a summer, you know, just to wait in between leaving the military and go to law school. So.
0: Your GI Bill is paying for your entirety of your law school? It is. Yeah. Is there a program where the GI Bill could pay, assuming someone got a high school go to college and they enlist, is there an option the GI Bill could pay for their grad school? Like all the loans you had, is that an option? And if that is option with you, and recommend that or no, just straight up use it for grad school. Gosh, you know, I
1: I don't really know. You know, I I know all I know is you know I I've, I've used it for law school. I know Adrian. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, there are programs like if you're graduating from law school, there's certain jobs that you can take that will pay back your student loans if you're willing to go into that market. But you know, at the end of the day, you should. You can leave law school. like Adrian has a great has a great job coming out of law school, and you'll be able to um, afford to to pay your loans
0: back. But so, do you think um, the cost of a law school or grad school should be a huge factor in your decision to go? Based on what you just said right now, that his careers are going to pay it off.
1: I think law school is a great investment. Personally, I think you know you leave law school, you pass the bar exam. If you're not you know, and you're a veteran, you're going to get a job. I mean, it's almost, you know, unless you're like, you know, totally brain dead. I mean, you got to be just the worst. If you leave law school as a veteran, pass the bar, you get decent grades. I mean, it's not really hard to get decent grades at all in law school. And, you know, you're going to get a job and that job will pay enough for you to pay back whatever you owe
2: for sure. And kind of on top of that, there is a pretty large disparity between, you know, the lowest and highest-paying jobs that you can get out of law school, and usually the lower-paying jobs are things that are within the realm of public service. So if you're going to work, you know, as a Prosecutor or work for the government at any capacity. Those often pay less, right? But most of those jobs, either at the federal or state or both uh, level, they have resources to, you know, extinguish your student loans. Like I know I, I interned for the Department of Justice last year, and I, I learned while I was there that if I, you know, if I had gone on to work at the Department of Justice after law school, I think I worked there 10 years and then they'll extinguish all your remaining student loans. So had I ended up going that route, I, uh, I would have strategically paid the minimum payments for 10 years. Got to my ten-year mark at the DOJ, and then they would have paid off the rest of them.
1: And even even a low-paying job is a legal career because it's like there's not a lot of lawyers because you have to take a test, you know what I mean, and like become a lawyer. So there's not a whole bunch of lawyers. So there's still a demand for you. And the lowest-paying jobs, you know, I mean, they're not, relative speaking, I mean, they're not that low. I mean, you're gonna you're gonna be able to pay yourself back. I mean, even if you're starting off a DA's position. Making seventy seventy five thousand a year in a couple years, two or three years, you're making over three figures, and you're gonna pay your loans back. Like
0: the seventy seventy five, that's the lower end you said. That's like the
2: lower end. Uh, well, I think I think depends also like geographically. Like if you yeah. probably did most of your uh, job search in California, where the 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 floor is gonna be much higher than where if you were in Syracuse, where there's a much uh lower cost of living. There are yeah. probably lawyers in in Syracuse that start off at fifty you know but that's a you know you start off at 50 once you have got a few years of experience there you know you're yeah. you're pushing 80 90 probably after 5 years so like any any bigger city right like new york city for
1: example you're going to be starting off like low 80s high 70s san diego you'll be starting off low 70s you know and each one of those jobs you're going to make three figures or six figures in you know two to three years i mean you just got to get that first. But yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't speak to what it's like in Syria. I can imagine it's lower, but I don't know. You think it's 50? I don't even think it's that low.
2: It could be like sixteen. I mean, 70. I also didn't job search in Syracuse. I just know that, you know, yeah. it's going to be uh, comparative to the cost of living if you're looking at public service jobs, which are the lower end typically. Yeah.
1: And that's, if, of course, that's if you go public service, you know, like those are the lower, that's what's considered lower end. And if you go into a private job, you'll be fine. So at the end of the day, I think law school is a great investment because... The jobs you're going to get as a veteran, as a lawyer, you're guaranteed to get a good job that if you do have loans, like I'm leaving with loans too, even though I have the GI bill,
0: um, I'm, I'll be able to, to pay, that off, pay that off, hopefully, <laughs> if I get the job. <laughs> you know, you law school longer than the traditional time frame? No, so I took out loans to like pay for living expenses. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I mean, so
2: Syracuse, it's hard,
1: know, yeah. Yeah, because you know, you get like, what? 13 a month?
2: 1,300
1: a month? 1,600. Yeah, and it's like,
2: you know, I mean, you can't live on that. You know what I mean? So Yeah, also on top of that, you can't really, like, especially your first year of law school, you're not going to be doing any work. Like, you're not going to be working a part-time job during your first year of law school. So you're kind of, if you're, you know, doing that route, then you're going to either want student loans or... If the GI Bill can't help you out, you still
0: need to take out a little bit. Um, before we went to that question, can we just backtrack a little bit, what is it like interning during law school? Either one of you guys. Go first. Sure. So um, you know, during your first year it's just gonna be classes
2: and reading. There's not really any internships or work you're gonna be doing outside of law school during your first year. Then but the summer between your first year and second year that's when you should start working and uh that's kind of how you set up you know you the summer between your second and third year that's the most important summer they say you know there's no classes more often than not over the summer so like my my first summer i worked at the uh the law clinic at the law school so i kind of got a little bit of experience in a few different areas of law one of them being veterans law and i ended up doing the veterans law clinic for my entire second year and that was for credit so i took Somewhat less classes, and I was doing uh, you know legal work under you know of course the supervision of one of the professors there in the area of veterans law for that year. On top of that, I worked at uh, an office downtown here doing social security and bankruptcy. That wasn't called an internship, but I was a law clerk and it had the same effect of an internship. For those of us that do not know, what does a law clerk mean? It's an internship.
0: Same, thing. Yeah. Same uh, thing.
2: yeah. There's law clerks who are attorneys, and that's different than what I did as a law clerk. I was I was doing the job of an intern, pretty much. I was on yeah. the phone a lot. I was talking to potential clients and trying to do the screening process to see if there's somebody that you know the attorneys I was working for would be interested in representing.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. There's, there is the distinction, because a legal internship is also referred to as a law clerk position, but you can graduate and work as a law clerk like once you've left law school so like i have a job offer to work as a law clerk in the san diego uh, district attorney's office i'll be doing that hopefully um but that's still like a, a legal job but that's like post-grad you're doing like a lot of like research and writing and stuff like that
0: earlier you said that if you're a graduate from law school past the barn and or a veteran you should not have an issue um finding a job I think so. But why is that? Is like, to veterans just stand out? Even though everybody has a JD degree, hmm. just being a veteran will make you that much more competitive. Yeah, like, I, I do. I like, really believe that. They yeah. truly care about you being a veteran when they're hiring? Mm-hmm. I completely agree with that.
1: Not, not only, there's, there's certain things, like, for federal jobs, you get a pre- veteran's preference for federal jobs. So it's, it's more likely for you to get an interview for, like, DOJ positions or whatever federal job you're applying for, but... Also other veteran lawyers like look to you and like hire you. Like I worked for a veteran this summer, you know, I think if it wasn't for the Marine Corps, he probably wouldn't have hired me. Yeah, he um, you know, I think being a veteran stands out. All the employers ask for it, especially for district attorney jobs. District attorney attorney positions love you being a veteran. They love it. So you know, those are, like, almost shoe wins if you're not, like, you know, an idiot.
2: <laughs> but, yeah, I would kind would, I of would agree. But on top of that, it's not just that you're a veteran. It's that you have working, real-life experience outside of academia. I've noticed a trend among my kind of the people I associate with in law school. The ones that didn't go from high school to college to law school got jobs much quicker than my friends, you know, who did go high school to college to to law school, maybe never held a full-time job. So it's not just that you, you know, the the veteran thing is a a big factor, but just the fact that you have, like, life experience outside of academia um, is a huge factor in getting a job.
1: Yeah, and I I think the life experience helps with law school, too. Like, I don't think if I was in the military I would be as calm going through law school as I am now. Like, I think my priorities are just much different than Someone who went from undergrad straight to law school, you know, they're, like, freaking out about their grades 24-7, which is great. You know, that's that's totally great. But, you know, I think I have just, like, a different set of priorities. I think the military helped that, and it's it's made law school, I think, just easier.
0: You guys already had your uh, next jobs locked down, more or less. Have you guys passed the bar? No, so... How does that work, the whole process? Yeah, sure. So,
2: I think there might be one exception to this, but generally... Um, you know, you go to law school, most people graduate, you know, in three years, it's a pretty standard amount of time to do law school. Our graduation is May 5th, and then they hold the bar twice a year. You have to graduate law school with, again, with one exception. I think Wisconsin, if you go to law school in Wisconsin, you don't have to take the Wisconsin bar. Shout out to Wisconsin. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) um, go to Wisconsin. Yeah. So if you're interested in being a lawyer and don't want to take the bar, go to Wisconsin. Yeah. But yeah, so the bar is held twice a year in July and February. So like I think just two weeks ago, there were people taking the bar. And then this year, July 25th and 26th is the bar. So we'll graduate May 5th. And then you have to do a bar prep course before you don't have to. But it's in your best interest to take a bar prep course because more than likely you will fail you if you don't. Well and then those, those yeah. are minimum eight weeks long. They can be 10 weeks long. You can kind of play with the exact number of days you spend doing it. But the recommendation there is that you you spend 500 hours doing bar prep. So, you know, if you do that over 10 weeks, that's 50 hours a week on average, um, which is relatively manageable. One thing I will say,
1: not all bars are the same. So just remember that. Like, So I'm taking the California bar. It would have helped a lot if I went to school in California because those law schools teach you how to do California bar prep like they get ready you you get ready like a couple years in advance for just because the California bar is like is such a different bar from the rest of the country like most of the country has the same bar exam there's a few states that are outliers and then there's of course California which has its own its own thing and it's like really intense and it's all focused on California law and it's split up differently so if you went to a California law school, it would it will help a lot more if you're really focused on staying in California, so I will rec- I would recommend that.
0: Do are both take the California bar then? No, so my
2: job is in California, but my job is not practicing California state law, so they're allowing me to take any bar I want. So I could take Alabama, I could take Florida. I'm doing New York because I went to law school in New York, and based, just like what Max was saying, wherever you go to law school, I mean, by default, you're gonna be reading more cases from that state than from other states.
1: Yeah, you're an advantage.
2: Yeah, so I mean, there's there's no reason for me to take the California bar, like like Max is. Just you know, his job is requiring it, of course. Uh, mine
0: isn't, so it's in my best interest to take a, the New York bar. Is there a bar that's harder than the rest? So, like, if you take that state's California. bar, you could study California. Any <laughs> so, okay, if you take the California and pass the California bar, can you just practice on any state? That's why California is the
2: worst, man. So the that that the term for that is reciprocity. Uh, you know, if taking taking a bar in one state and being having a bar membership in that state, whether or not you can easily go into another state to practice, the answer is no. You can't just go practice anywhere just because you have a bar membership in this particular state. But some states have better reciprocity and it's more easy to go transfer or wave into that state's bar. Mm -hmm. California is the hardest one but it also is kind of exclusive where they don't like to, my understanding rather, is that they don't like to let people wave in very easily or out.
1: No, you, you can't. I mean, California is like it's its own beast and you have to, they don't really accept they don't. They don't accept uh, transfers, applications from other. You um, know, uni- there's a this thing called the Uniform Bar Exam, and that's like most six states have that bar exam, it's the same exam for like forty or so states. It's just like how how well you do on that depends on like the passing score is different for different states. So if you get like, for example, like some states have like a passing score of like two seventy, right?
0: So if you get a oh two- what? Gosh, I don't. A- and not like at 300, right? Like it's no, it's out of three. I think the max score passing, would be 350, 360. Is if you get
1: like 60% right on the bar exam, like that's considered like, like you're it's like not an exam where people get things a bunch of answers right. Got so it. yeah, it's 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 difficult. But if you if you get a 270 in like one state and another state has like a 266 requirement, you can pretty easily transfer in. But in California, you know they don't accept anything so you just have to take their exam exclusively
2: so it's just i'm, I'm sure though if you practice long enough in a different jurisdiction they'll allow you to wave in if you have like if you have 10 years of experience in new york be more yeah. lenient. i think on
0: you know waivers
1: yeah i think they're yeah i think that's right i i don't know for sure i just know it's it's strict but
0: yeah so wherever you graduate from and wherever you stay you choose to do the bar it's behoove you to stay in that state then Right? Unless I you want to take multiple so. bars?
2: Well, I'd say a solid half of our graduating class is not staying in New York. I
0: understand. Um, whatever state chooses to take the bar, he's taking the California bar. Yeah,
2: no, it, would, it would help you, but you know, I, just because you go to law school in New York doesn't mean you should limit yourself to applying and working in New York after that. Like, like me, I don't think I applied to any jobs in New York. And that was not a consideration I had when I was selecting law schools where I want to work after. And maybe with some hindsight I would have done that. But yes you're right you should go to law school where you want to work but that shouldn't be a limiting factor when you start applying for jobs either yeah i agree i think
1: if i would have done it i would have 100 percent stayed in california because it's super hard to find a job all the way across the country and like back in california you know like reaching out to places in california is so hard for me because like i don't know anyone really in that area whereas i could just you know you know drive down there drive to a bunch of different firms district attorney's offices public defender offices whatever you know you could find a job much easier that way just proximity you know so i would say like adrian said not everyone is is staying in new york for after they graduate from syracuse which is true i think a lot of them are staying in the northeast and that's because they're able to go and find a job very easily, you know, go to Massachusetts, go to Connecticut, Pennsylvania, you know, you can drive to these places, you can go and network with people. So I would say if you have a general maybe idea of the region you want to stay in, like that is, I think, a really good idea. And I wish, me personally, I wish I would have stayed somewhere in the region of the Southwest United States, because it would have made my life much, much, much easier.
0: Just because you have a job lined up at their law school, if we do not pass the bar then, they're not keeping you, right? That depends, I think. That's, yeah, I think at a certain point
2: they'll be like,
1: we can't keep you on.
2: But yeah. like, There's a certain percentage of people that are going to fail the bar. Like, yeah. It's never been 100% bar passage rate. So yeah. they're, they're assuming when they hire you before you pass the bar, they're assuming the risk that you might fail. And usually I think what they'll do is they'll keep you on, maybe do... The job of what a law, like an, a law school law clerk would do, until the February bar comes around, and have you you know study for that and retake it. Um, after, if you fail a second time, maybe they might cut their losses at that point. Yeah. Usually, they advertise the job as being like, yeah, like if you if you if you fail, you know we'll we'll work with you to pass next time. But at a certain point, they'll recognize a bad investment. When looking to law schools, you look at their uh, bar passage rate? Is that a factor? I think so that's secure. a factor yeah. in like law school rankings, with like the US News World Report. Um, and it should be a factor, I think, when you're deciding where to go to law school. Mm-hmm. But the bar is a indi- individual effort exam, uh, you know, you're gonna have to put in the time and the hours and, you know, the work to pass, so. Yeah, I agree. I think it's an indicator of, you know, how good the law
1: school, how good the law school will prepare you to take the bar exam. Um, but it's only one factor to consider. You know, like I said, I think proximity is another important factor to consider. Where you want to work is a huge factor.
2: Um, so it's important, um, but at best, it should be maybe a tiebreaker if you're really yeah. that stuck between two schools, but that shouldn't be a determining factor.
0: Yeah. You guys both are leaving SU Law with a little bit of debt or a little bit to a lot. Say a veteran graduates to undergrad, has no benefits left or very little benefits left, and they want to just. Do anything, any scholarship, any paid internship, or something to help pay for law school. What that you guys know are there options.
2: Well, the first thing I would do is, like we talked about a little bit earlier, is study very hard for the LSAT. Um, like so, I have a scholarship for Syracuse, and my my undergraduate GPA was I didn't have a 4.0, and but you know I I had a decent grade on the LSAT. And that's kind of where they determine what their scholarships are going to be. Because almost every student, I think, at least well over half, have some scholarship. So how they determine what scholarship they'll give you. That's a lot for law school. Yes. Wow. Yeah. But, you know, doing well, having a good GPA and a good LSAT score is a big determining factor. There's statistics that correlate, like, oh, you had a good GPA and good LSAT score. You're more likely to get a better scholarship somewhere.
1: Yeah, focus on getting, if you're out of your benefits, focus on getting the highest LSAT score you possibly can. And obviously focus on getting good grades in college because that will give you a scholarship to wherever you want to go.
0: Is there anything uh, people should consider when choosing law school? But like, definitely not go to school if they advertise this, whatever it may be. Well, what I always give or tell people who ask me when they're, you know, I've had friends
2: since being in law school who say, I might want to go to law school, where should I go? I always say, pick somewhere, A, that you want to work after, B, where you geographically want to live for three years. If you if you hate the cold, Syracuse might, might not be the best choice for you, if you like being by the beach pick a law school by the beach because if it's an accredited law school you're gonna get a law degree and you'll take the bar and you'll be fine but if you can live somewhere where you might actually be happy for those three years then law school will feel a little bit easier 100 percent, like exactly what adrian said where you want to live and
1: where you want to work those you know whatever order i mean i think where you want to work is maybe the most important thing but i think where you want where you are comfortable living for three years too is such an important thing. You know, like, like Adrian said, if it's an ABA accredited law school, the bar is an individual effort, like graduate law school, get your degree and work hard to study for the bar exam. So, yeah, it's exactly
2: what you said. Some people really care about law school rankings when they're picking their law school, and that's fine. You know, if you want to look for an Ivy League school like Harvard or, or Yale or wherever that, you know, because it really is a very limited number of schools that the name of the school alone will get you a job. You know, like if you hear, oh, this person went to Harvard Law, that's you're know, going to sound much more impressive than, you know, some school they've never heard of. But really, it is very few schools that the name recognition alone will get you the job. And yeah, Harvard probably has better connections than most schools, and they'll you'll be likely to get a job more easily or. A better job more easily going to Harvard, but if you're not interested in one of those, you know, top 10 schools that have that name recognition, uh, that's you know, big law firms and big cities want to hire out of. Um, it really shouldn't matter whether they're ranked 40th or, you know, 150th. Yeah, yeah. Focus on doing you. Like a good lawyer
1: is not gonna. You don't have to graduate from law school to be. Or you do have to graduate from law school to be a lawyer, <laughs> but you don't have to graduate from you know, Harvard to be a great lawyer. Like there's so many fantastic lawyers out there that graduate from lower ranking schools. It's all about you and how you apply yourself.
0: So now that you're as a third year law students, what has been the most challenging part of law school?
2: Gosh. I- the first year, you know, this kind of a learning curve. Uh, it's not the same as studying or for or doing undergrad. You know, undergrad is much less of a time commitment like the first semester of law school, and for us, that was during the the heat of COVID. So we we started law school in the fall of 2020 when it was still substantially things were closed. So we were, you know, for me, for me at least, I moved to New York. I'd never been to Syracuse before. I get here, you know, two weeks before the start of the fall semester. I was living in um, a house with a bunch of roommates who were all undergrads, and I my, my bedroom was in the basement. So I spent 10, 12 hours a day in in my basement dark bedroom, you know, doing online school. Um, so there's a lot of reading and um, a lot of isolation.
1: Yeah, and like, I, I think the biggest thing with law school, like, I think like I said earlier, like, coming out of the military, you're going to have, like, a pretty good head on your shoulders. You'll be able to handle what law school has to tackle you with, you know what I mean? But I think patience is the biggest thing for me. That's the biggest challenge for law school because it's just kind of like a grind, you know, like to deal with, like you graduate your first year, you're still coming back your second year. You gotta do that. And at this point now you're getting into your late 20s. Everyone else has jobs, you know, you're just seeing all these people go off and do all these different things with their lives, you know, but you're getting old, you know, and you still gotta come back to school and you still gotta do that year after year after year. And then, you know, you'll finally graduate. But, like, three years is a very long period of time. And I think that also ties back into why location is so important. And it'll help with that patience. Like, people drop out of law school all the time, especially, like, later on in the semester and stuff like that, I think. You know, because they're just, they, they're just sick of it. They're ready to give it all up. If you're in a location where you're happy being, like, you're, you know, can thrive there, like, it'll make the grind, the patience, just much easier.
0: A lot of what you guys said right now, like, it sounds like it's a lot of reading. Is that like true statement? So, for me at least, I didn't know any lawyers
2: or other law students before I went to law school. So, I made a lot of mistakes my first semester. You know, I, every time we had a, an assignment, usually there's between three and like eight cases that you're gonna have to read going into a class on a particular day. For one class, right? So that's that's a lot of cases, and uh, so what I would do is I would read the case. Then I'm like, all right, now I know what the case is about. I'd have to reread it so I really understand it, and sometimes a third time. So I'm rereading the, this case, you know. And what I didn't know is that there are case briefs that exist, you know, on their platforms online to read the case brief before you read the case. You know exactly what you're looking for, what the issues are, what the the main facts are. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, I didn't I didn't know how to get ready for class and I had to learn I had to reinvent the wheel kind of you're, you're balancing four sometimes
1: five different classes at once like you're you can't do all the reading that they're asking you to do like you just can't and like in balance like other things that are important in your life like you know going to the gym or whatever you know that you want to do you just can't really do what they're asking you to do and like to the extent that they're supposedly asking you to do it you just can't like you need to Focus on getting the most out of the cases, like the holding of the cases, like the, the key facts of the case, like what the issue is. And like that will force you to like when you're reading your assignments to like focus on those elements and be able to skim through and like pick out key pieces of information. And then there's the the stuff online, you know, these, these different websites that allow you to kind of synthesize this information. It's like available
2: Right there for you to for you to
1: see it. So
2: yeah, exactly. So basically, kind of what we both just said in summary: learn how to read a case as quickly as possible. Not just read it, but like understand what to look for. And if you do that and do it effectively, it'll cut your reading down by
0: you know 80%. So you see all these cases do before class that in real life when you go to career somewhere for law the same way and like here's a stack of cases
2: them uh, by next week. So I mean I, I don't think either of us could speak precisely to real life because we haven't worked as lawyers yet. However, um, just from my internship experiences like at the DOJ they you know we get facts of a case and then um, there's two main platforms for legal research called uh, Lexis LexisNexis and then Westlaw. And you, you search on them. There's a search bar, like similar sort of like to how Google is. But then, of course, there's much more advanced ways of searching, searching by jurisdiction and certain keywords, stuff like that. So they don't give you the cases; you have to find the cases. That's kind of the job. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. You you know you do a lot of writing. You do a lot of legal research on those platforms, and you type out little memorandums for the associates or the partners at the law firm, and that's kind of what you're giving them. At least that's a lot of what I did. Um, for my internships and
0: stuff. Right on. From what you know now about the law field, would you still go into law school? I would.
1: Yeah, like I said, I think law school is such a great investment, you know, especially as a veteran. And, you know, you graduate law school, you have military experience, you have the law school experience, you know, you do well and you pass the bar exam. I mean, I really think that you're going to get a job. Like, I truly believe
0: that. And so... You probably have like a really good paying job, eventually. Well, yeah, I
1: think, you know, I think all legal careers do end up, if you stick with it long enough, they do pay pretty well, you know. And if you apply yourself in law school and you're a student veteran, yeah, you're going to get a great job, too, at first. And, you know, I truly believe that as a veteran student attorney, you're going to get, you know, it's just, it's going to pay off for sure.
2: Yeah, I yeah. agree with everything Max said. So you
0: were still going to law school?
2: Yeah, I, I don't, you know, I don't regret my decision at all. I think uh, even if I'm not a lawyer, practicing attorney, I mean, in 10 years, I've gotten a lot of like knowledge and, and life experience out of law school. And even if I just work one job in the legal field, which is not my plan, but, you know, in 10 years, I might, I might, you know, go in a different direction. I don't know. What's up, Lord? Do you want to be a like, so, angle? You know, I don't know if I have an end goal for what kind of lawyer I want to be. I'm interested going into law school. I was interested in potentially learning about business uh, as well as law, and that's kind of what I. You don't really specialize in law school like you do in like undergrad. Like our degree is going to say the exact same thing, but you know, throughout the course of the three years, you pick your own classes. And I kind of focus more on uh, business-related and corporate-related legal classes. So that was kind of my goal: is know how to be a lawyer in the context of business such that I might one day be able to have my own business and navigate the legal aspects of that. Uh, The job I'm going into at a law school is um, I'm going to be an international tax associate. So I've kind of gotten into the tax field. not intentionally, but when I worked for the Department of Justice last uh, summer, I worked in the tax division, and it was not at all what I expected. It was much more enjoyable than I expected. It's not as dry as it sounds when you hear tax. It sounds pretty dry, When I say I'm doing tax, people stop listening because it just sounds boring, but it really, it can be pretty interesting. So I'm I'm really excited to get experience in tax because it's a valuable asset, especially if I ever want to have my own business, how to navigate federal tax laws. And what's great about Adrian's job is... There's,
1: there's certain jobs that are like JD Advantage, like some tax jobs, um, I don't know about, about yours Adrian, but some, some tax jobs at like one of the top like accounting firms or sort of like the big four or something like that, you know, they look for JDs and they, they pay very well. You can graduate law school and go to one of those firms, like they look for JDs. So if you don't want to pass the bar, you can still go to law school and you'll, you'll be able to pay off your loans with one of those jobs. Yeah, sure.
2: JD Advantage is another aspect of mm-hmm. law school that's a, a huge benefit, because like like Max was just saying, so I'm going to PwC, which is one of those big four accounting firms, mm-hmm. and my colleagues and peers when I get there are going to be, some will be JDs with a law degree, um, and others are going to be CPAs. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to be working with just lawyers, and you don't need to be a lawyer to get my job. but. If oh. you're not, if you're not a lawyer, you need to be a CPA. Of course, you have to have some kind of certification. So yeah, it's interesting. It's a great opportunity. Yeah, so it's not like exactly a traditional legal role. And as far as bar passage, you know, I'm taking the bar this July, and I, I expect to pass it. I would hope, I hope to pass it. I mean, my position doesn't require bar passage until several years down the road. So I will have to pass the bar at some point. But the position I'm starting off in, you know, I'm not giving legal advice, which is what you need a bar membership to do. Um, it's kind of an area of consulting for international tax services. Global structuring is the idea, so all the clients are businesses doing, you know, business abroad and there's tax implications. Uh, do that, of course, and that's kind of the jobs consulting them on how to structure their own businesses for that purpose.
0: That's amazing because just because you don't pass the bar doesn't mean life's it's over. Doesn't mean you wasted three years, right? Because no, there's and a plan you know,
2: my I do. I don't want drink it, but I hope I will pass the bar. Yeah, the hopefully that's try. a goal. Yeah, and if I don't, I'll retake it, and I do plan on passing the bar at one point or another. You know, I, like you, it, you earlier, awesome I'm not going to not gonna be yourself. let go if I don't yeah, pass the bar. It's a, a bar. great opportunity. I'll, I'll, I'll be just fine if I don't pass the bar. Although I would love to pass it the first okay. time. Hopefully, we're rooting for you. So, Max, what's the angle for you, lawyer? Gosh, you know, I
1: I haven't really decided yet. <laughs> um, you know, obviously, I, I think I'm going to be working for a district attorney's office. You know, I've always liked the trial lawyer stuff. Um, my, my internships...
0: And trial lawyer means like in the courtroom, right? Mm,
1: like in the courtroom. But, you know, I, I could see myself going a different route, maybe in terms of, like, advising businesses or, or whatnot. But, you know, my my... Internships were kind of done with uh, personal injury stuff, um, product liability, personal injuries. So uh, on the plaintiff side of things. So you know, like ambulance chaser. You know, aficionado over here. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Everyone hates those guys. But, but yeah, I mean, that's you know, usually you derogatory term, you know, ambulance chaser. <laughs> but slip and fall. Call you know, Max, but people, people call get Max, hurt. And and they need the Max. representation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Max, uh-huh. Max. Yeah, so... Max with a six-pack? Max with a... <laughs> yeah, total, yeah. <laughs> little, little plug. Uh, no, you know, I, I like those, like, tort-type law. I find it interesting. Um, you know, I, I kind of, like, enjoy reading those cases and, like, the, the law behind, like, negligence and, like, who's at fault, who's not at fault. And I kind of, like, enjoy enjoy those things.
0: Oh, it's pretty cool. I as think as it's cool together there's so many options. There is. At the end of the
1: day, you can be a lawyer for
2: really yeah I think that's something that you can't really understand until you go and do it is really how much is available to you as a lawyer there's so many different areas of law that you don't know exist before going to law school you learn about some of them in law school but um, you, you could never learn about even most of it and I don't look at you guys I feel like man the prerequisites you like look at it in the suit like the killer abs and everything <laughs> like, you do have to have abs you have
0: to be able to bench like three plates at least <laughs> for reps Perhaps, yeah. <laughs> I, I saw your hand shaking in the video oh
1: you saw <laughs> you know, yeah just bench 350 a um,
0: couple weeks ago so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, so make sure, just so you guys are sure aware that, cut my cut Instagram
1: that. is max underscore baron with an E-A-R
0: right on so and who knows, people might hit you up yeah, yeah hit yeah. me up if you want to ask about law school be a
1: veteran I 100% support all veterans who go to law school I think it is a greatest
0: opportunity I think it's a great opportunity so Adrian 30-year law school, you're about to graduate, you're about to go kick ass in the real world, make a real income since you left the military. What is your favorite quote, and why? So, yeah, I don't know if I have a favorite quote, but there's two quotes I
2: I really like, at least right now. One of them, um, Max and I were talking about, uh, we both learned in the Marine Corps, um, and maybe you learned it in the Navy as well. And the context of where I learned it was, it was when I first got to my unit and we were practicing um, speed reload drills for you know rifle. And the quote is, uh, slow is smooth, smooth is fast, which kind of to me just means, you know, take your time, do it right the first time. And that's the fastest you know net positive that you're gonna get out of the, whatever it is you're doing. And it applies not just to doing speed reloads, but to I think anything. And the other one is, um, which I think kind of plays along with the slow is smooth, smooth is fast, is a quote from Albert Einstein where he says, and I might be paraphrasing actually, but um, he says, it's not that I'm smarter, it's that I stay with problems longer. And I like that because I think, you know, if you, if you work slowly and efficiently and you stay with a problem, you will solve it and you'll solve it with the best possible outcome.
0: was a great question. Especially the second one. That's like, not the first one. uh, (laughs) Slow,
1: slow, smooth, smooth, fast. That's something
0: I learned in the Marine Corps too. It applies to all aspects
1: of
2: your life, you know, But yeah, either one, both of them. Albert Einstein was the second one. The first one, you know, I don't know who said that first, but some some animal somewhere or whatever, some some guy, some guy
0: says it to every single branch. Some guy,
2: some guy who's super quick at speed reload drills. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah,
1: that was me. Yeah, (laughs) fastest in the west. So actually, this quote came from a Chinese fortune cookie. Pan Express. No,
0: shout out to uh, Golden Dragon. On <laughs> In Dewitt, is that going to be your learning? The Golden Dragon's is coming. You know, Michael, that's going to be yeah. i I'm, <laughs> I'm not, not sure. Come in the courtroom. I'm not
2: sure that they are the, the original author of the quote, but <laughs> no, they are
1: not. Actually, this quote is from FDR, one of the greatest presidents, of course, in United States history. And the quote is, "A smooth sea never made a skilled sailor." That's yes, right, and you know, which is perfect for. You know, yeah. the Navy and military, but you know, I think when you're in the military, you challenge yourself physically, mentally, right? And you, I think everyone, especially us in this room, I think we all can agree, like, you leave the military and you feel like you've, like, accomplished something. You feel, like, better as a person leaving the military because you've, you've challenged yourself, you know what I mean? And, and in ways that you could never have even imagined, right? There's all these different aspects where you challenge yourself physically and mentally, and you leave becoming just like a more whole and and competent person. And I think, you know, that's such an important lesson as a veteran. But when you leave the military, you know, I think it's important to continue to force yourself into situations that make you uncomfortable. You know, try, you know, to do things that, you know, is going to really challenge yourself because you're going to become a more skilled, a more competent, and a more whole person. So even though you're out of the military force yourself into situations that make you uncomfortable and I think you'll grow as a person from that
0: I don't think you guys both are coming before I close off I wanted to ask you is there any advice you had to give just general advice for student veterans like I always like to tell people it's great that we have the National Veteran Institute Resource Center that's fantastic but you should really branch off and make the most of your college career like I have this podcast now where this is like my seventh episode and multiple veterans that came in and we learned so much about different things. Is there anything you'd like to put out?
2: Yeah, for from my perspective, you know, I uh, went straight to college after the military. So, um, you know, I was 22, 23, my freshman year. Um, I think the thing that benefited me the most was I actually got a job working for, working for the school. I worked for campus rec at my undergraduate school and that helped me make friends that weren't in the military. It's great to have connections when you uh, go to college after the military who are also veterans, you can relate to them, that's great. But if you really want to integrate back into the rest of the world, you yeah. got to integrate with those other people. So making friends uh, as quickly as possible with other undergrad, yeah, I was older than most of them because they went straight from high school to college. But having friends that were just you know civilians that I could get along with was um, a huge benefit to me. And working on campus, it was a great way to do that yeah socialize socialize socialize
1: you know get out of the military and you know socialize meet new people break branch out and just you know just make make new friends wherever you go it's important
0: well again thank you guys so much for coming and i hope uh whoever listened to this learned something about law school and you know maybe uh, answered any question you might have and thank you for tuning in thank you for having me thanks